Bird's Eye View is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. BaltimoreSportsReport.com. And welcome to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for basis opinion. Today is March 13th, 2017, and this is episode 192. My name is Scott Magnus. And I'm Jake English. And on today's show, we're going to go around the bases to the week in Orioles baseball. And as we sometimes do, we'll steal a bit from Jimmy Fallon. And we'll do that right after we lubricate for the show. It's time for the drink of the week. Jake, what are you drinking in the bottom of your basement? Scotty, this week I am double fisting another pair of local brews. I'm drinking a Good Company Pale Ale from the Calvert Brewing Company, which is pretty decent. And on the other side, I am drinking a lager from the Key Brewing Company. This is the same a uh, company that I had the common lager from last week. And I'm going to tell you, not the worst beer I've ever had. So it is a, a stark improvement over last week. Double pounding beers. Wow. It's like you must not be driving home this evening. <laughs> yes, uh, I think I think that deserves some explanation. I am keeping the peace in my domicile uh, this week. I have neglected to drive out in what is clearly the worst winter storm to ever hit the the East Coast. Uh, I'm playing it safe this week so that I don't get caught in both inches of snow. <clears throat> okay. Uh, with that, I'm drinking also another lovely Baltimore beer. I'm drinking a Burr's Art Birdhouse Pale Ale, an orange and black can for an Orioles podcast. Oh boy, what a beer. Uh, with why, that, why do you got to do that? Why, why do you got to drink real beer? Well, what can I say? If you're going to drink good beer, you might as well drink good beer. And if you want to drink terrible beer, you can drink terrible beer. Um, that being said, if you want to know what me and Jake are drinking on a daily, weekly, or whenever basis, check us out on Untapped. I'm at MAGN8606. And Jake, you are at? Jake E4025. And with that, it's time to get to the most popular segment within Birds of You. It's time for the medical wing. Wait for it. There it is. Yeah, it's gonna be okay if you giggle, but um, it's not been a giggling sort lately at Bird's Eye View, and also for Birdland, uh, lots of injuries. Um, but let's get right into it. Um, first, I want to cover the Chris Davis bronchitis watch. Um, it seems like Chris Davis can never stay healthy for an entire season, or maybe that's just me. Um, Jake, what do you think about this whole bronchitis thing? Just something that's passing through, or um, something to, yeah, I, 
I don't think that the uh, bronchitis is really going to put him back for too much. And to be honest with you, I don't think that Chris Davis needs to get at bats during the uh, spring training in order to be in, in baseball shape for, uh, for come, you know, April and, and May. So I think this is just a uh, big whoop. Who cares? More at bats to go around for the other guys that won't make the team. Yeah. The only thing I would say to that is Davis right before he left was showing some great play discipline I really wish he could have rode that out for a little bit longer um, and just kind of continue to get those at-bats. And I understand what you're saying. It doesn't really matter what's going on because Chris Davis is going to hit for pop no matter what. But we've noticed that when Chris Davis has really good plate discipline, he is a completely different player. Um, when he's just swinging and flailing up there, that's a completely different player too. So I liked what I saw from Chris Davis from a plate discipline standpoint. Um, getting him away from the plate, eh, not super concerning, but just a minor annoyance. Well, Scotty, we're not looking at this the right way. At least he's not using up all of his plate discipline now. Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, go ahead and take the next one. Hey, J.J. Uh, Hardy's back is back. Oh, I see what you did. J.J. Hardy made a, uh, made a spring appearance and did not, and I, I want to stress, did not fall apart. So this is a good thing with a, a trademark after that. Good thing. Uh, it looks like J.J. Hardy is going to be able to stand the test of time to make it to tomorrow gotcha um again good news well again we'll see how long that lasts caleb joseph uh, had an injury today um but it was just a flesh wound on his arm um so that that's not you being funny that is the way he described it it's just a flesh wound <laughs> yes um good for he, he's got to have a job uh in broadcasting after he's done right yeah i was thinking you know a little bit like okay so he's got a flesh wound in his arm you know might have some limited aspects of his arm he was a drummer um he was doing some drumming over the offseason something in death leopard coming up soon <laughs> you know i hadn't considered how this was going to affect his musical activities yeah uh that was that was short-sighted of me it was short-sighted of you uh, last uh, I want to talk. Oh, go ahead. I want to talk about Seth Smith and his hamstring. Apparently, he's been uh, he's been nursing a tender hamstring in camp. That's no good. Uh, it seems like uh, Seth Smith to know what we've got in this guy. I would like to see him a little bit in the spring. I know he's a veteran. He's not he's not some unproven player, but it'd be awfully nice to see what he can do uh, if he's going to be plugged into the lineup most days. Jake, Jake, Jake. Don't worry. We've got plenty of outfield depth. <laughs> maybe so maybe he's just trying to get the old uh the old massage from mr mustache richie band sells i think that that may be just a ploy maybe he's more of a veteran guy than i give him credit for it and of course there's one huge looming injury but we'll get into that a little bit later in the show let's go to 140 characters or less for this week on the twitters Scotty, there's one that I know that you're going to talk about, and I'm just going to tease it because it may show up in a future segment but when we talk about things that are out there this one is way out there. Matt Kremnitzer, who tweets, of course, at Matt Kremnitzer, asks, can someone ask Adam Jones what he thinks of the quote-unquote outfielders, Pedro Alvarez and Trey Mancini? Uh, I think it's a pretty good point, uh, particularly because after Jones uh, publicly questioned the outfield athleticism, the team responded by getting guys like Craig Gentry, um, but more recently have been stockpiling outfielders that well, are more in the Mark Trumbo mold. Yeah. So the other one was we just talked about Adam Jones. And, well, there was an interesting tweet. And it, I, I'm just keep looking at it and saying, this can't be right. But after Adam Jones' um, walk-off um, hit for the World Baseball Classic, ESPN Stats and Info tweeted out the following. Adam Jones last had a walk-off hit in an MLB game in 2012 against the Mariners. First of all, this cannot be right. 
Birdland, I need you to go through and find out another instance where Adam Jones has had a walk-off hit or a walk-off home run. I can't imagine this is the only instance where Adam Jones has had a walk-off hit since being with the Baltimore Orioles since 2012. It's kind of delightful, though, to know that it's against his former club, the Mariners, though, right? I guess, but it comes back to the whole aspect of which we talked about earlier this year, which was uh, we were talking about clutch hitters, and Adam Jones certainly never seemed like that clutch hitter. This kind of seems to reemphasize that fact once again. All right. I want to uh, I want to go to a tweet from some good friends of ours, friends of the program, uh, OBP Apparel, who tweet at OBP Apparel. Two different styles of the United We Grind shirt, as seen on at Simply AJ10 himself, available now exclusively at obpapparel.com. And uh, with this tweet is a series of photos of a pretty sharp looking shirt made by OBP. It says United We Grind with the uh, with the flag in the letters. It comes in red. It comes in blue. And modeling it is none other than Adam Jones himself. So uh, listen, we encourage you to run out there and buy everything that OBP makes. And while you're there, remind them that they used to podcast from time to time and maybe they should get back to it. All right. Speaking about being in spring training and being in the best shape of their lives, uh, Masson at or Masson Orioles has been doing a great job with some of their um, tweets as of lately, really bringing the pun game up. But this one was particularly delightful. Um, earlier this week, Wade Miley was on the mound and he had a great pickoff move, um, picking off one of the Blue Jays runners on the base pass. And uh, it, the tweet went as such: "When the throw to first comes in like a wrecking ball." Hashtag I back the birds. This makes me happy inside. This makes me very happy inside. Jake, I hope you understand what the reference is here. You know, I had to uh, I had to get on the old Google machine because the song didn't come out in the 1960s, but I did get it, and I thought it was good. I, I agree with you. Uh, Masson has really brought the Twitter pun game, and uh, let me ask you this. Mm. We, we've talked in the past about how the Indians own Twitter as far as Major League Baseball is concerned. The Orioles have a long way to go, but I feel like their strongest foot forward is the Mass and Orioles feed. Do you agree? I think it's probably the easiest to do. Um, I will say that at the very end of last year, the Orioles Twitter feed started to get a little bit more fiery with people. So I'd be curious to see if that tradition continues into the 2017 series, season. Well, I, I encourage it. And uh, Scott, I encourage you to uh, to educate us a little bit on this next tweet. All right, so this next tweet comes from the Baltimore Sun. Actually, it comes from Camden Chat, but it's in regards to a Baltimore Sun article. At Camden Chat tweets, you should absolutely read about the Gunk's adventure as a sub during the sex ed unit and more from the Sun. So first of all, Baltimore Sun, stick away, stay away from the shtick that Bird's Eye View is going to be doing. This is the exact thing that we would want to do and talk about Joe Gunkel acting as a substitute teacher for the sex ed unit. So, of course, we've talked about this in the past. Uh, the minor league player compensation um, for minor league players is absolutely horrendous. And as part of that, Joe Gunkel took a job as a substitute teacher, probably getting paid about $10 per hour in order to make a cost of living since he's probably only getting paid like $11,000 per year. Um, I just think it's absolutely hilarious because as a prior substitute teacher, um, you get into all kinds of weird and wacky adventures. So Joe Gunkel, I can understand where you're coming from. And if you need to sit down with a uh, another peer, as it were, I can give you some tips of the trade. That's that's nice. I like what, Scott Meggs, I had no idea that you were also uh, a, a substitute teacher for a time. Uh, you do whatever you can to pay your bills during college. 
Now, let me ask you this. Do you think Gunkel got more awkward comments from the, the kids looking to get more information on the birds and the bees or on uh, from the uh, the Orioles beat reporters when it comes to, uh, you know, physical time? I'm going to guess it was from the kids basically because his name is Gunkel and uh, he was teaching sex ed. So. All right. Let fair me, enough. Let me I'll see if I, if I Urban Dictionary Gunkel. I went, oh, my gosh. Everyone do never, ever Urban Dictionary Gunkel. That's all I can tell you. And in fact, if there is no Urban Dictionary entry, <laughs> you all need to write as many as you can. All right. Well, with that, why don't we go ahead and go around the bases and cover everything that is going on in Birdland this given week. All right, folks, we're going to start off going around the bases. And uh, we kind of teased a little bit earlier about um, one of the Orioles' more recent acquisitions. So starting at first base, we've got to talk about the recent re-signing of El Toro, Pedro Alvarez, in quotation marks, the outfielder. So evidently, um, Pedro Alvarez has been working all over the entire offseason um, at Vanderbilt University, um, working on trying to refine his craft in the outfield. Um, when the news first broke that the Orioles had signed, I was just like, okay, that's fine. Uh, but when the implication was made that he was being signed for outfield death, potentially, um, it made no sense. I'm sorry. Um, I understand it's a minor league deal. I understand that it's one of those situations where it probably will never come back to pay any dividends. And if someone gets hurt, maybe you bring them in. But there is no reason that the words outfield and Pedro Alvarez should ever be mentioned together in the same sentence. Jake, I know you had a less, more empathetic response to this given situation. Try to convince me why I shouldn't care about this this signing. Okay. I have a very concise and very short, and brevity is not, not usually my gift, but I have a very short and concise argument for why I don't think you should be that upset, all right? Are you ready for it? Pedro Alvarez was re-signed by the Orioles. Oh, meh. That's it. That's all I got. Meh. I think it's really all you can make of Pedro Alvarez, once again, being an Oriole. Look, he's clearly going to stay in the major leagues or around the major leagues because of his bat. The Orioles re-signed him. I think it was a natural fit because he's nice to have if one of your designated hitters goes down. If for some reason Mark Trumbo gets injured, you've got Pedro Alvarez waiting in the wings to be brought up at just the right time. If Pedro Alvarez ever sees grass, that's a problem. That's a huge problem. But when the, the Orioles announced that they had signed him to a minor league deal to uh, to basically pad up the, the organization, I thought, sure, why not? No biggie. So again, it comes back to you're perfectly okay with this as long as it's a platoon DH situation. Yeah, absolutely. And to be honest with you, I mean, if the Orioles were really being honest with themselves, they know that the outfield is is ridiculous. They know that that's not what's going to be happen, happening. But, I mean, you and I agree that he cannot turn himself into a league average outfielder. There's just no way. There's, there's but does it no really way. hurt? Does it really hurt anything for him to try and pretend in AAA? He's not stealing at bats from anybody of, of value down there. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying. The one thing I would come back and point out is you're right he's not stealing any at bats 
but you have to figure that there is at least someone in double A or something that like that that could play an outfield position. And if there truly is no one available in Norfolk to play a corner outfield position, and we're literally putting Pedro Alvarez out there, I can't imagine Dan Duquette ever coming back out and telling someone we have a deep farm system. I'm sorry, no. I, I just would be we, like, you played Pedro Alvarez in Norfolk for 50 plus games, like you played yourself. Yeah. Um, I mean, think about it. They they just got rid of the other Alvarez. They removed him from the outfield uh, picture in, in AAA. And they also uh, got rid of Christian Walker. So, uh, again, those that those were the quote-unquote cream of the crop when it came to the outfield in AAA. I, I just don't think it's that big a deal. It's nice. He's a nice to have, really, as an insurance policy. Pedro Alvarez, a guy that can hit a bunch of dingers and have a really sad uh, uh, batting average and on-base percentage and and strikeout uh, percentage. That's a guy that that's nice to have, not not need to depend on. Yeah, I guess that if I were to pick someone though to bring up uh, to replace Trumbo, I'm bringing up Mancini to start with, as opposed to Pedro Alvarez, just to see what he can do. That's just me. Yeah. I- uh, you know, and and again, that's okay. But I would rather have both in the organization rather than have to depend on Mancini being ready to make the next step. Okay, that's fine. Um, again, I, I agree with you that it's probably not that big of a deal because it's a minor league deal. It just seems like somewhat of also a waste of a forty man roster spot as well. All right. Well, uh-huh. tell you what, let's come back to that in just a second um, because I think it fig- factors into the next conversation, and that is. Chris, Shil- uh, Chris Tillman shouldering responsibility for where the Orioles are right now. Did you say uh, Shillman, a... by the way? What's that? Did you say Chris Shillman? Uh, I tried to. Okay. I, I tried to. All right. It was it was Chris Tillman next to the word shoulder and and my inability to read. Gotcha. Or speak. That's pretty common. Yeah. Yeah. So he had a setback. He got uh, sent back to the showers after he, he couldn't make it through long toss before heading uh, to a bullpen session. Uh, so I, I need to ask you this, Scott. What does this setback really mean? And does this notably change where the Orioles were with Chris Tillman and the beginning of the season? Um, I still think that there was no way Chris Tillman was, of course, going to start the season. There's probably no chance that he was going to even pitch by the end of April. I just don't like the verbiage that is being used. Um, When they say he's going to come out for a bullpen session and then they say, uh, well, the antibiotics that he was using, you know, kind of tighten up the shoulder. So we're going to come back tomorrow and see if it loosens it up. Like as soon as I read that, it's like, nope, not going to happen tomorrow. Like that is classic Oriole spin case, basically. Um, and then Sunday came out and, you know, 10 pitches. And it's like, nope, I can't throw anymore. And I just was like, Ugh. and then Buck comes out and says, well, I think we're going to get some usefulness out of him sometime this season. I'm like, what the heck does that mean? Like sometime this season like does that mean august september what does that mean um i my personal opinion is just at this point as an Orioles fan is just to assume the worst and my assumption for the worst is um he's not going to be back until the all-star break and um we are going to be left with basically picking up the scraps of that fifth starter with the combination of the norfolk shoulder which we have covered in previous podcast all right so last week we we talked about hey what's out there uh, do we need to be asking that louder? And, and since our last show, uh, Gunkel has been optioned, uh, which I guess means that he's back to the sex ed. Uh, so you can scratch him off the list, except that he never was. This is where I want to go back to Alvarez. If we are now at the point where we can no longer depend on Chris Tillman pitching meaningfully in the first half, and again, that is that is our guess, right, and our, our conjecture. But if we're going to be in a situation where it is a more dire scenario with Chris Tillman, 
does the acquisition of Pedro Alvarez and the possibility of wasting $2 million, does that hurt us more with this news of Chris Tillman? Because if we look at, at who is out there in the, uh, in the market and last, last time we talked about uh, Doug Fister, uh, isn't it, doesn't the question really come down to who's out there and how much money is it going to cost? I think to a certain regard, you're right. But again, it's not like Alvarez is going to get the $2 million. He only gets the $2 million if he's activated to a major league roster. So he's not getting the $2 million just to sit in the minor leagues. If he was sitting in the minor leagues and making $2 million, I would be, I would be absolutely furious is the best way to describe it. Uh, and just raging <laughs> right now. Um, but that is not the case based off the contract details. Um, you look at the options that are out there right now in terms of free agency, and there's nobody out there in terms of free agency that you would want. So you basically are going to basically deal with who you have, which is Mike Wright, Tyler Wilson, and Yanoa. Um, and actually, it, we found out this week that it's not Yanoa; it's uh, something else. Like I'll pull up the pronunciation. I think it's, I think it's Enoa. Enoa, thank you. Yeah, it's Enoa. So that just is equally more disappointing. He can't be the fifth pitcher anymore because that just destroyed the whole punnage of the whole rest of the season. So I think we're left with Tyler Wilson and Mike Wright. And we've seen last year how that dealt with us at the beginning of the season when Giovanni Gardo was out and uh, it wasn't pretty is the best way to put it. Well, you are just all smiles. Let's, let's move then to third base and jump on the Orioles hype train. Uh, The world baseball classic has been very, very good to the Orioles. A lot of Orioles, in prominent positions. And uh, so I'm curious as to how that, that makes you feel Uh, first, before we get into the specifics of the Orioles, Scotty, does this world baseball classic feel different as far as how it's uh, appreciated by uh, baseball fans? Does it feel like the W base, uh, the WBC is, is getting more traction and more appreciation for what it is? I guess I do feel like some of the games have been better than in previous seasons, uh, previous years. Um, But yeah, I guess so. I think that, the whole thing is we're a little bit further in. Major League Baseball Network is widely available to a bunch of folks now as well in terms of their cable packages. So, sure, I'll, I'll give you the benefit of saying, yeah, it's, I think it's probably the biggest it's been in a while. Let me ask you this. The uh, baseball is on its way back to the Olympics. I, f- I feel like maybe 2020 is when baseball will return to the Olympics. Do you think the World Baseball Classic survives the return of of baseball to the Olympics? Um, yes, I do. I think that if anything, Major League Baseball is making a ton of money and a ton of merchandise off of this right now that yes, they will continue this as long as possible. I agree. I agree. Even if the format uh, changes. uh, Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. All right. So let's talk about the Orioles. So Adam Jones had a walk off for the Americans. That was nice. Uh, Jonathan Scope has had a home run. Wellington Castillo has had a, a notable home run. But the biggest contribu- uh, contributor, I think, from the Orioles has been Manny Machado showing up for the Dominicans as a guy we all know as, as Manny Machado and everybody else getting to, uh, to get a good look at him. Does, it, does this performance from any of them make you feel differently about those guys? Mm, no, not really. I, I think that it, we knew who they were. It's just nice to see them succeed in the, in the way that they are. So, so this doesn't, you know, make you feel a little bit better, maybe about the possibility of Scope taking a, a step forward this season, like we thought he would last season. No, not at all, because I'm a negative person okay, again, like that. Yeah, and, and you know, the pitching that he's facing from the Canadian team or whoever is not exactly what he's going to see in the AL East, right? Yeah, I, I guess that's the case. I just Jonathan Scope is it is who he is. Like it comes back to the whole. Well, if Adam Jones didn't swing at the ball on his feet, he'd be a completely different batter. But that's who Adam Jones is. So Jonathan Scope is going to be that. Boomer bus player and 
more times than not, he's going to be on a bus. But when he gets hot, he's going to be one of the best hitters in all of Major League Baseball in terms of hitting home runs. So, And um, I'm drawing the blank. Uh, for the WBC, who's he playing for? Uh, I believe that would be the Kingdom of the Netherlands. Is that, 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 that right for you? That, that's that's perfect. Okay. Uh, all the international attention to Manny Machado, do you think that this uh, puts him further and further into stardom and further and further out of the Orioles' budget in two years? Um, first of all, yes, into the stardom. Um, I think that Manny Machado is cementing himself, if he wasn't already, as a top-five player in all Major League Baseball, which I think to the educated fan he already was, but I think to the common fan now he's becoming the superstar that he truly is. Um, and out of the Orioles' budget – um, it's a possibility that he was already out of the Orioles budget, depending on how much they were willing to spend um, back in 2012. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, Manny Machado deserves every dollar that he's going to get, whether it be 300 or $400 million or whatever it's going to be, he's going to be worth every single dollar of it. Um, and the Orioles are going to have to make that big decision eventually about how much money are they willing to commit to one player? They've already committed $160 million to one player. Can they do it again with another player for twice as much? It's really, we were shocked when it happened with Chris Davis to see double that amount. Um, I think a few people, here's what I would say is if, if Peter Angelos comes out and spends $320 million on Manny Machado, I don't see how WNST could survive the next day. (laughs) That almost seems like it's worth doing, right? I I think if Mr. Angelos, can we crowdsource that? If Mr. Angelos wanted to basically end WNST the next day, he could just be like, I'm writing a $320 million check to Manny Machado. And I can't imagine that um, there could be anything done. In fact, what I would egg Peter Angelos to do is to write that check and then walk into WNST or wherever Nestor Aparicio is podcasting out of his basement right now walk into his bathroom and say, hey, I hate what you're doing here. Get out. I had not considered that part of it. And frankly, now I, I want it to happen more than ever. Uh, one one thing that did tug at the heartstrings for me hmm. was watching Nelson Cruz hit dongs. Um, it does it hit make dongs, you miss him all that much more? It, it was it made me miss him, but also seeing him hit a dong up Andrew Miller, I'm just like, man, it's just 2014 Orioles all over the place right here. So... Yeah, I mean, it made me miss him. Do I still think the Orioles made the right decision at the time? Yeah, I do. I, I would never have predicted him to be as good as he as he has been. Um, but yeah, good job for Nelson Cruz. Overall, great guy, nice guy. And you're left with the proverbial "what if," um, which is he may be my he may be my favorite like former, you know, uh, cup of coffee Oriole. Mm. I think he's up there. I think still think that maybe like a Mark Reynolds may take the cake for me. Okay. All right. I like it. All right. So coming around to home plate, I want to talk about Chan Sisko a little bit. And uh, he started at catcher on Sunday's game, played for five innings, one for three with an RBI double, um, but had a little bit of trouble um, behind the plate with the run game with three stolen bases. So Jake, after what you saw from Chan Sisko for one game, what are your thoughts? I'm torn, like Natalie and Brulia. Um, on one hand, ever. he's got the bat that we all that we all expected, yep. right? I think that his bat is progressing to the point where where we should feel good that he's going to be able to hit at the major league level. And so the question then becomes: uh, Is he going to be able to stick a catcher or not? And I'm I'm of two minds about that. Uh, on one hand, 
he was scouted as and is known as a guy that needs to develop behind the plate. And maybe we shouldn't be surprised so much that, guess what? He needs to develop at the plate. But the other side of that coin is this. Look, if he's not going to be able to stick, why don't we just get it out of the way now and move him to wherever he's going to play in the majors and just get him comfortable there so that he's a more finished product by the time that his bat insists that he make the majors. Um, I, I don't know, Scotty. I, I really don't know how freaked out to be over the fact that he ha- is, as we thought, an incomplete uh, package. What, what are your thoughts? Okay, so let's get this straight. If he were a top-level defensive catcher with hitting prowess like he does, he would be a top 25 prospect. Since he's not, okay, he's a top 100 prospect. Even if he is a average defensive catcher and he can have the offensive aspect of what he does, he's still worthwhile to me to be a catcher. He's a he's an above average pitch framer based off of all the scouting reports I've done. It just comes back to his defensive footwork and his arm strength is not quite there yet. In the American League East, how much does the running game really impact the game? Well, if he could play against the Orioles, he'd be fine. If he played against the Orioles, he'd be fine. But again, I come back to there isn't a lot of running that goes on the ALEs. So in all honesty, I'm okay with this. Like, he doesn't have to be a Buster Posey. He can be an average catcher out there as long as he brings some offensive prowess. Is he going to be an all-star? Probably not. But is he going to be a serviceable catcher that is going to be paid, you know, absolutely nothing for the five or six years that he's going to be up here? Absolutely. And the Orioles are going to need to have those rookies and the serviceable catchers out there uh, if they're going to pay $320 million to Manny Machado. Was that? Wow. You, you, you surprised me. That was a lot more positive and hopeful than I was expecting. I, I'm actually, I'm not, I don't think Caleb Joseph, I'm sorry. I don't think Ch- Chancisco is going to be great, but I think that Chancisco is going to be okay. And okay is all right. You don't have to have superstars in every position. You just need to have a few mega superstars. And I think that in the future, those are going to be like a Dylan Bundy, a Kevin Gossman, a Manny Machado. Um, and, and those who you're going to build your foundation of in 2019 and forward, um, if you can sign Manny Machado to a long-term contract. Yeah, maybe we don't give enough credit to the fact that when the organization uh, produces players that are just playing good enough, that that's good enough. You know, we, we talk about will Jonathan Scope take the next step? Well, maybe it's okay that he's just an okay second baseman because we've got so many other good things around him, and, and maybe Chance Cisco's the same way. Right. You don't need to have a bunch of players that are all Manny Machado-like players. What you do need to have is a few players that are, you know, two plus war players. And I could easily see Chancisco being a two plus war player, um, you know, for, you know, maybe not his first year in the Major League Baseball, but for, you know, year two through five, basically. Simple as that. Scott, I, I, I think we've done good work here. I'm, I'm grateful, uh, to have gotten your take on this. And, and, you know, in that, in that spirit of gratitude, I think maybe it's time we uh, we dust off an old bit that we've stolen from somebody else and we read out some thank you notes. All right, Jake. So you're going to have to explain this whole thank you notes thing to me because it's been a while here at Birds Eye View. So can you explain the whole premise of what we're what we're trying to get accomplished here? 
Sure. Have you ever, um, uh, let's start slowly. I'm not going to ask if you've ever written a thank you note. Uh, Scott, have you ever felt gratitude? No. Okay. All right. This is going to be harder than I thought. Um, it is a, it is a common practice for those of us that feel empathy, uh, for those of us that, that, that experience the emotion of gratitude to express that. And in a, in a bygone time, people used to write letters. People used to put pen to paper and express themselves and, and not in a hallmark way, but in, in really heartfelt, deeply emotional ways. And, And in that spirit, I think it's time that we just we say what's in our minds and in our hearts and, uh, you know, put together some, some thank you notes. And, you know, maybe, maybe what would help us get in that mood is if there was some sort of like, you know, there's some sort of music that could just get us into the, the, the writing vibe. Let me see what I, what I can do with this. How does this sound? You know, this might work. This might be okay. Uh, well, Scotty, would you like me to go ahead and, and take the first one to make sure that you, uh, you're, you're with us? Yeah, go ahead and take the first one. Give me an example. All right. Thank you, Baltimoreans, for bringing the sweet sounds of getting stupid back into my ear holes. May you ever bring us baseball things considered. All right, I think I get what you're throwing down here. Let me give this a shot. Thank you to all of those members of Berlin who think that anyone can play the outfield it's your similar judgment like that which allowed the monkeys to come into existence (laughs) you hit me where i live scott (laughs) (laughs) thank you rock kabako for ruining a perfectly good you know a shtick with your quote-unquote correct pronunciation i'm gonna give him one more thank you to lou barrels your critical commentary and recaps on hashtag Monday Night Wars is exactly what I would expect from any dirt sheet. All right, here's my my last one, and I, I mean this with all my heart. Thank you, Yankees fans, for turning your future Yankee nonsense from Bryce Harper to Manny Machado. Now I have new and fresh reasons to hate you all. Mm-mm. That is a good one. But Jake, this last one is really dear to my heart. So thank you to you, Golden Yellow Banana. Even though you've taken second fiddle to the plantain since the Dominican Republic has used it as a prop so many times, there will always be money in stands which sell you. All right, Scotty, I have a bonus thank you note. Okay. Is this allowed? Thank you. Oh, it's, it's, uh, yes. Okay, go ahead. Thank you, Snowpocalypse 2017, for two reasons. First, for allowing Scott to mock me. And second, for supplying my family with a case of cabin fever for the next several days. That definitely was a bonus one. Just remember, Jake, no touching during Snowpocalypse 2017. Big ups. So, uh, Birdland, thank you for, for allowing us to catch up on our thank you notes. Uh, please let us know what you're thankful for this week as we uh, try to wind down spring training and look ever forward to opening day. Maybe you could do it in 140 characters or less with hashtag thank you notes. And with that, I think it's time we go ahead and blow the save. 
All right, we're going to break this down nice and slow. We're going to keep on a topic that we've talked about pretty extensively over this entire week. We're going to talk outfield defense because it's near and dear to my heart this week. So there was a really interesting uh, feature added to um, BaseballSavant.com. And for those that don't know what BaseballSavant.com is, it's a site maintained by Darren Williams, who works for MLB Advanced Media. Um, and StatCast has recently come out with a catch probability statistic, which I find um, fascinating. So what they're going to do is they're going to rate on a 0 to 100 scale how often certain balls can be caught. And what they've done is they've gone ahead and assigned a star rating for certain catches. So a zero star is something that, um, well, a, a trained monkey should catch is the best way to describe it. And a five is something that someone you know should never be able to catch. But on occasion, you do make that catch, and it's, it's pretty impressive. Um, but what I find interesting is I come back to the 2016 Orioles, and I come back to Mark Trumbo in the outfield. And as per this category with league-wide catch difficulty, I count um, Mark Trumbo allowing four base hits with zero stars, so a trained monkey basically could catch it. And I count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Um, that is in the one-star category that Mark Trumbo allowed for a base hit. Um, Mark Trumbo appears to be one of the worst outfielders in all of Major League Baseball in terms of allowing base hits last year um, in all of Major League Baseball, um, which has, I wouldn't say blown people within the advanced media aspect uh, away in terms of being surprised by this. But I think we all talk about Mark Trumbo and it's like, well, it really wasn't that bad. And I think, Jake, you even said that last week where you said, well, he wasn't terrible in the outfield. But by these indications and by this advanced metrics, it would certainly indicate that um, Mark Trumbo did more harm than good at being in the outfield. Jake, do you think such statistics such as catch difficulty or catch probability actually is a thing that we should be watching? Or do you think that it's better to um, just watch what happens on the field and make your own judgment with your eyes? Well, I don't think that it's neither or. Uh, to answer your first Dang question, it, Jake, something it's we should neither pay or. To? Absolutely. <laughs> if, you get a, if you get a fresh tool, if you have a, a new tool that can give you another data point about something that, that you already know a lot about, that's only good. Uh, there's actually a, a, a Twitter exchange about this this very thing earlier this week. And somebody tweeted, and I, I, I think it was our, our friends over at Orioles Uncensored, but maybe I've got this wrong, where somebody tweeted something to the effect of, this is why people hate, hate statistics. I don't think it's wrong to say, oh, that catch that may have looked pleasing to the eye was actually not that hard. I think that that just adds a an interesting wrinkle to to the discussion. Like, oh, was that a good catch or was it a good recovery? Um, that makes the play no less interesting. Um, but you talk about Mark Trumbo, and yes, I did assert, and I don't know if it was last week, that I didn't think he was god-awful back there. If he's giving up hits there in the outfield, the question becomes, did those hits hurt them? And that's really anecdotal. Did those hits come at the right time versus the wrong time? And if you let that play out long enough, yeah, sure, it will hurt you. Um, but yeah, I, I think if you can look at this kind of thing and it plays out over enough seasons where we get really good data to say, hey, you can you can really put stock in this, then that should absolutely be something we pay attention to when we take a look at people like Mark Trumbo or Pedro Alvarez or Trey Mancini, or hey, maybe when we talk about center fielders like Adam Jones and maybe it's time for them to move from center to left, 
more information to go along with what we can see with our eyes is always the best thing. I think back to my childhood to a certain regard, and I remember the first way I was able to get back into baseball or get into baseball was not just by playing it, but by opening up a package of cards and then flipping it over after looking at the picture of the guy with the crazy 80s mustache and looking at the statistics on the background and just kind of reading and figuring out which player was better than which other player. Without numbers and without context to the game, you're just looking at the guy that has the bat with the um, the F face thing on it and saying, that guy has to be the coolest guy in all Major League Baseball. It's numbers and statistics that put a context on this game. And if you just want to look at the fun factor or the coolness factor, you need to be finding a different game than baseball. Baseball is a numbers game. Um, and if you don't want to put it into that context, then eh, I'm sorry. It's probably not the right game for you. Just my opinion. All right, Jake, I think it's time we seal up this show and uh, batten down the hatches and I guess get ready for the the great apocalypse that is that is coming down into Baltimore. So why don't you go ahead and that start. That was really running. nice. By the way, for everybody pay, paying attention at home, uh, that is all happening because Scott can't point at me like we usually do when but, I wander into ST Studios. Yes, that is true. So, so that, my friends, is our show. Remember, you can find this and our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. And uh, you can also um, check us out at Baltimore Sports Report Network. We're on the baltimoresportsreport.com slash network. Also check us out on baseballtalkradio.com. Bird's Eye View is available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. We'd appreciate a rating and a review. It helps establish what's called social proof about this show and encourages new listeners to check it out. Uh, check us out on social media, Facebook, Google+, Snapchat, but best of all, Twitter at Bird's Eye View BAL. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I bid you all a fond adieu-adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. Stay warm. And let's go O's. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.